0: Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butchers Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cooking Pellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also buy the CHOPS Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector System has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit KCBS.us slash Sam's Tour for results to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com. This is Rennie Kanoff for Championship BBQ.tv, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would care to, greg at Show.com. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, second Tuesday of the month, means a visit from none other than the creator of amazingribs.com, the world's most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website, Meathead Goldwood. Will be joining us. And I don't know what we're supposed to be talking about. He did say that he was planning on turning the tables, whatever that means. Maybe we're going to be talking about tables, barbecue tables tonight. We'll see when Meathead joins us at 9.14, and we will hold him over for his customary 9.35 slot as well. And then we will go in to the second hour. 9, uh, 10.14. We talk about automatic pit temperature control devices on this show quite a bit the longest running sponsor of the show is an automatic pit temperature control the creators of automatic pit temperature control technology if i am not mistaken we're going to depart a little bit especially for those folks that have wood burning pits the offset style pits A guy by the name of stephen thibodeau will be joining us from the perfect draft barbecue blower If you follow me on social media, you know that I got my hands on one a week or so ago. Took some initial video of like the unboxing and stuff, and I actually had a test cook with it Sunday. All accounts successful. Uh, probably some user error, loose nut behind the wheel type situation stuff going. But we will talk with Steven about the concept, the use where it's similar where it's different from some of the competitors out there all that good stuff 10:14 and then at 10:35 we will close out the show with my one of my favorite mile high city barbecue guys owner of GQ barbecue restaurant and the competition team with the same name Jason Ganal will be joining us 10 months ago Jason was on the show eh, 10 months ago talking about how he had just opened. I believe December 22nd, I had Jason on. His new restaurant at that point had just been open for like three weeks. I don't even know if he will, well, about six weeks, I guess. He opened November 9th. We were December. So, you know, just a little bit over a month talking about how we got into it, those initial. Barbecue, startup questions, all that good stuff. Well, 10 months later, where are we now? How are things going? Is business good? Are the rave reviews? Are there rave reviews? How are employees working out? I have an inherent distrust of people. We'll talk to him about that as well. GQ Barbecue, Jason Gannal will be helping me close the show tonight. So there you go. 216-220-0966 216-220-0966. Greg at com. Two segments with Meathead in the first hour, Stephen Thibodeau and Jason Ganal in the second hour. Let everybody know that the show is on. Get on the social media platforms and blast them out. A couple different websites to send them to. TheBBQCentralShow.com for the audio. You can also go to OutdoorCookingChannel.com slash watch dash now for the video. Long time syndication video partner of this show. Also, we stream live on the Barbecue Central Show's Facebook page, and uh, we are recording to upload to YouTube after the show ends, because uh, my upload is only so much. One day, I just read something about uh, who was doing it. I forget the service provider. It was going to be like a hundred, was it a a terabyte up. What? What? No. It's completely incorrect.
3: Get stuff, get stuff
0: I think it was a gigabyte up. Can you imagine? <laughs> if I had a gig of upload speed, I could I could syndicate all across the world on seventy five hundred different streaming services at the same time. It wouldn't matter. I could just do it. I mean, I have all the beef I need in the now repaired tower of power. A soon to be coming new tower of power as well in the offing. Also, you can find the show on Roku. The last couple weeks, I've been talking to you right at the top of the show, teasing the Doug Trattner audio that I did with him at Woodstock Barbecue in Lakewood, Ohio. That has been posted uh, just about a week ago, so go to the Facebook page of the show, listen to that audio. I think it's kind of neat. Also, for fans of the Dan Patrick Show, and who doesn't like DP? I know I do. Your pal Chad Ward, the sometimes host of his own show here on the Outdoor Cooking Channel. He will be on air, like, actually in the studio with Dan Patrick, 11.35 a.m. Eastern this coming Thursday, with Dan himself. I have never done that. I would love to do that. And there seems to be a burgeoning bromance... Or at least a one-sided burgeoning bromance between these two media giants. If you don't have the Dan Patrick show in your city or an affiliate near you, you can obviously go to Dan Patrick's website, danpatrick.com, and click on the Listen Live icon at the top right of his site. If you miss it altogether, you can't get it live. uh, There is a podcast menu available as well, so... Don't miss Chad Ward and his golden tones on the Dan Patrick show this coming Thursday. I was just on the phone with him earlier this morning, and he dropped some knowledge on me that he was going to be on the DP show Thursday. Wow, 11.35. By the way, I want to thank John Dawson for this piece of advice right here. This is called a gray card. That gives you this color. I can only imagine as soon as I get away and go to the banner flash for the read, when I come back, it's going to be blue light city. We'll see how it goes. So uh, anyway, thanks to John Dawson for the gray card suggestion. It's helped, at least in the beginning it's helped. And I'll just throw it up there. I mean, what do I care? I'll throw it up there a hundred times. You want to see my face or do you want to see gray card? It's probably a half dozen and one. The question I get a lot Does the show Karma really work? Well, let's do some quick looking around. In case you forgot, one sterling ball of Big Papa Smokers was on this show last Tuesday. He said before he left, I'm going to Dana Point. It's one of the crown jewels of California, which it really is. I mean, there's damn near 100 teams. It's really grown over the years. Dana Point really seems to be the gathering place towards the end of the year for everybody to take part. Obviously, King of the Smoker is invitation only, and everybody wants to get invited there. But Dana Point, anybody can go to. What does Sterling Ball do after being on this show last Tuesday? He rolls out to Dana Point. Summarily wins it with a 7.05, no less. 7.05. Still seven points away from what Darren scored at the Sam's National last week. Can you believe that? But a 7.05 for Sterling Ball in the win. And just to double down, not not to use a gambling phrase for you degenerates, after Sterling Ball on Tuesday, one Darren Worth, whom I just mentioned, from Iowa's Smokey D's, he did a segment about winning Sam's last week. So what does he do this past weekend? Well, he rolls right out to Leavenworth, Kansas. What does he do? Summarily wins it. Folks, I don't want to make the results up because I'm not. You just refuse to accept the fact that when people take the time to do the show, good things happen the following weekend, like winning a lot. Doesn't that prove to you that this is a real thing? The Barbecue Central Show Karma? It's real. Just ask these people. They do the show Tuesday. They win on Saturday. When has it not worked? I don't know. Two two more examples just this past week. All right. Talking about Big Papa Smokers, if you didn't know, it is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself, by winning almost every major barbecue competition with their award-winning championship rubs. They've also banded together with California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two unique competitions, the King of the Smoker, which I just mentioned. That brings the best of the best in barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-basics competition. What does that mean? King of the Smoker is unique in that contestants may not use any electric devices, such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal, wood, and their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other one is the Guinea Pig. That's a cost-controlled competition that brings in newcomers and continues to circulate the most savvy of barbecue veteran. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category. That provides incentive for teams to stay in competition barbecue. On top of all that, Big Papa has created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country, working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind... Big Papa been able to do all this with only six years of being in business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating a unique competition, two to be exact, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain in BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse, and most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It continues to be just the beginning for Sterling Ball and the folks over at Big Papa Smokers, and we thank them for their continued support of the show. Their website is BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Why did it adjust? It shouldn't adjust. All right, we're back with Meathead Goldwyn coming up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
0: All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's the email address. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills. Manufacturers are some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you need a really big one, they got one for you. How about medium-sized stuff? They can accommodate. Tailgating in full effect. They got one for you there, too. It's very portable. Plugs in those cigarette lighters and cars and vehicle-type stuff. They can also supply with pellets for those cookers. Check them out online at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's greenmountaingrills.com. And joining me for his normal second Tuesday of the month. Visit the creator of AmazingRibs.com. Meathead Goldwyn joining me here on the show. And look at this guy. He's got his own green card. Or he's got his own green card. Meathead, welcome to Grey the country. Yeah. Welcome to the country. Glad to have you in. Gray card. Sorry about that. You use that? Well, you know, I do all the uh, photography
1: for the website and the book, so... Yeah. Uh, and I'm pretty serious about my picture taken, but uh, I, I'm kind of curious. Uh, what does that do? Does that, like, tell my um, video camera to balance for gray?
0: Or Are you asking me a
1: photography question? I, well, I, no, I'm a still photographer. I don't know anything about video.
0: Oh, well, um... It it, uh, Evidently, I'm just getting my own picture up here, Meathead. I forgot to adjust this when we moved over the cameras. Evidently, my camera has a little bit of an issue recognizing my color from time to time. So, uh, for instance, sometimes I have a propensity to look a little blue when I don't want to be blue. So... John Dawson, the uh, excellent lighting instructor that he is, said, hey, do yourself a favor. Go ahead and get yourself a gray card and show it right before you jump on air, and it should correct everything. And lo and behold, it worked. So you see me in all of my olive-coated skin here.
1: Cool. I'll have to uh, find out from John if it works on my Logitech or Logitech or whatever the name is.
0: That's what I have. I have a Logitech camera, so it should work. I mean, what do I know?
1: Well you look a lot sharper than me and you are a sharp dresser.
0: I am the uh, barbecue king of Cleveland. Thank you. the rock star of the rock and roll city for barbecue. Yeah, that's right. And, okay, so see what see what see what just happened there? I went a little blue. Now watch this. Hey you did. Boom, boom, I'm back, baby. I'm back. Oh again? Hey, meathead. You can't fix ugly.
1: And <laughs> you put my hair up. There.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah. so, uh, Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. Of course, amazingribs.com is his website, a most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website. So, what's the topic tonight?
1: Well, I thought I would turn the tables. You last month yes, interviewed me and asked me questions I don't often get asked. And I realized you are so beloved and well-known But nobody knows a lot about you. So I thought I would interview you for a change of pace. I'm going to ask you all those uncomfortable questions um, that you have never been asked. So uh, tell us, how
0: old are you? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, I am a 42-year-old heterosexual male. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) <laughs> um uh, married for almost, uh, well, it'll be 19 years on the 22nd of this month, and I have three lovely daughters. One is 15, one is 13, and one is 11.
1: Now, as I recall, the 15-year-old is a competitive athlete, isn't she? Yeah,
0: a pretty high-level athlete, uh, both in volleyball and in softball, and we're trying to figure out if... One day she will actually commit to one or the other, but for now, it's both. And it's costing me through the nose for both.
1: Oh, you've been going on the road. I know. On road trips, haven't you? That's
0: what brought us together to drink that magnum of Silver Oak finally. Yeah, you came to Chicago with one of her competitions. That's right. Who says kids aren't great? They're bringing people together for crying out loud. (laughs) So, how did you come upon your love of barbecue? Well,. It's not the old, I got into a competition and was hooked type of a thing. Uh, growing up, uh, you know, originally, uh, I think most people know I'm from upstate New York. Saratoga Springs is kind of where I call home base. Uh, from uh, about the middle, till about the middle of sixth grade. And then my dad took a transfer. He was working with Eastman Kodak at the time in the health sciences division. And moved to Cleveland, taking a promotion. And that's where I've been ever since. So... You know, the majority of my formative life, I've been here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, but uh, originally from upstate New York, and, you know, I was just kind of like the majority of people. My dad did the outdoor cooking when that happened, and it wasn't uh, a lot. I mean, it was, you know, a couple times a month maybe in the the summertime, um, not a lot of outdoor stuff. Not that he didn't do it in the winter, but I don't think it was as prevalent. But the one thing that I remember that stood out in my mind was he had, he used the gas grill a lot, but always around the side of the house, he had like one of those old school Weber kettles. And I'm not talking like the ones that we have now. I'm talking the ones that had the three separate dampers underneath and that really made, to me, made the most sense. I don't know why, well, I think they got away from it for cleaning purposes, but, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was so good to use as... A indirect cooker, or you could really ramp it down for slow smokes. I thought that was a great engineering concept, and unfortunately they got away from it. But, you know, that cooker really stood my – it was there forever and ever and ever. I think it might have actually made the trip down to Florida with them when they eventually moved down to Florida in 97, and I stayed up here. So, uh, But, you know, just kind of sitting around the backyard and watching my dad do it and then eating the fruits of his labor at the dinner table. And uh, it was nothing that I was overly passionate about. Uh, as a youth, but I was kind of exposed to it that way. did
1: Dad know about things like indirect cooking and uh you know could he uh could he whoop up a pretty good steak and uh roast the chicken?
0: yep, steak was good, and he did really good ribs on the grill um which you know obviously seems foreign to a lot of us being able to do ribs on a grill per se uh, but yeah, I think he had a pretty good command on indirect cooking uh there seemed to be uh a little bit of a reminiscent char, if I'm remembering correctly, on those ribs. Uh, a little different than I would make now, obviously. Uh, but nothing that was ever bad, and the steaks were always good. We had, This has nothing to do with grilling, but I remember doing uh, grease meat fondue. Does that ring a bell? You put a big pot of oil in the middle of the table with a sterno can under it, with cubed stew meat, and you take these really... Sharp forks, and you skewer the meat up, and you stick it in this cauldron of oil. And you oh. fried meat with uh, this great compound butter that my mom used to make. One time in the sixth grade when we had just moved, uh, a very smart Greg Rempi had a cube of meat here on my hand with the fork underneath it, and then he ran the fork right through his hand in front of everybody. Oh, it was so fun. It was the first time I ever said the F word in front of my family, and I think I was able to get away with it because I had a fork sticking out of my hand. Oh, jeez. How I, like, old were you? Sixth grade. I mean, it had just happened. It was seventh grade maybe or whatever. I mean, it had, we had just kind of moved, and my dad flew in my best friend from New York to make me feel better, and I stuck a fork in my hand because I'm not very smart. So, um, Stick a fork in it. Yeah, but, you know, it was never anything crazy. Um, you know, I don't remember a lot of chicken on the grill. Um Except towards the very end, when the neighbor kind of lent his, uh, it was called Larry Bird chicken. A lot of vinegar in that recipe, from what I recall. Hmm. Um, but that, you know, is about it. Burgers, hot dogs, the standard grilling fare. Is your dad still with us? He better be, unless I don't know about it. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd heard you talk yeah, about it. I'm not too good with uh, ages, but I mean, they got to be like middle 60s, maybe a little older mm-hmm. than that. 60 with Gus up to 60, 65. Uh- Something along Light. those lines. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So every. Yeah. I mean, both parents still. Uh, still alive at the moment. In Florida. Yes, Sarasota. Uh, well, oh gosh.
1: I guess nah, technically
0: I've... it's uh, Bradenton.
1: Oh, I yeah. uh, gee. There's some real. I actually was just down that way a couple of years ago. There's some really good seafood down there. Oh, it's, um, yeah. I, tell I love. Them to check uh, out the Starfish Grill if they don't know about it. It's a little tiny. Uh, joint on the inland intercoastal waterway, and they have their own fishing fleet, and they bring in fish and cook it right up on the spot oh,
0: all right well they're li- I mean they always tune in every Tuesday, so they 're writing it down feverishly I'm starfish sure starfish grill all right, starfish yeah. grill write it yeah. down mommy. there's a lot of
1: fun stuff down that neck of the woods for sure that's cool that's cool i i don't recall hearing you talk about going to Florida very often
0: well i mean i don't get down there very often between school and kids' sports and all that other stuff i mean it's You know, maybe once a year, here and there.
1: Well, did you go to Orlando for one of your daughter's competitions? Yes,
0: that's right. Uh, We went to Orlando, and uh, we shipped the middle and youngest one off with my parents for the balance of the week. But, you know, that's an hour and a half away. So we, Mm -hmm. we were busy in volleyball for that week, and that was the week that the Cavaliers won the NBA championship, actually. And oh, and you were down there. Yeah, I was in Orlando by myself cheering like a maniac, and people were coming next door asking me if everything was all right because I was yelling so loud. Of course everything's all right. It couldn't be better. Who did you give your box seats to? <laughs> to be named <laughs> later. Did they, yeah, they we get
1: to the um, uh, sports team? I mean, aren't, uh, aren't the Indians, uh, the politically incorrect baseball team, still yes, in
0: it? The, yes. Well, aren't they still in it? They won the American League Divisional Series. They swept the Red Sox. <laughs> Give me a break. So could we possibly be looking at a Cleveland and Chicago uh, World Series? There isn't any doubt in my mind that that is an absolute possibility. We will make short work of the Blue Jays and the ALCS, and whoever our opponent shall be in the National League shall bow to us.
1: I want you to know how devoted I am to you. I am not watching the Cubs tonight. Oh, Well, I appreciate that. So, okay. You come to yeah. um, Cleveland, yes, and uh, you've, you've been learning from Dad how to barbecue. When did you really start getting deep into it? And how, what what brought you to this as an avocation and as a love, uh, uh, enough to make you invest in all the uh, uh, radio equipment, and, uh, the, the computers and the studio in the basement, and put up that beautiful barn wood behind you? <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I think I gave that secret away just a couple minutes ago, but yeah, <laughs> um, I, we had moved into our uh, first house in Euclid uh, 2000, 2001, I think, and my wife had bought me a Kenmore grill at the time, and uh, it was really, had many different levels. It looked pretty nice, and I use it all the time. Eventually, I cooked through the back of it in probably a year and a half. Like, literally, you could push on the back, and it just caved in. So now it was time to buy a new grill, and I had my eye on this really big, expensive Gen Air stainless steel at Lowe's. It was like 1200 bucks. It had the rotisserie burner in the back. I was getting ready to pull the trigger, and somehow I ended up having a conversation with my cousin Glenn, Glenn Rempe, who was living at, uh, I think he still lives in Maryland, but he was living in Maryland at the time, and he was catering barbecue on the side of his day job, which obviously a lot of people do. And he said, hey, before you buy this grill, have you ever thought about buying a barbecue pit? And I said, what is that? And he said, oh, well, so he sat down and explained the whole situation to me. And I said, eh, you know, I really like this fancy, shiny grill at Lowe's. And he said, look, you can buy a fairly inexpensive one to start. And you can still buy a really nice gas grill. So now you'll have two cooking vessels instead of one. And you'll be able to do two different kinds of cooking. You know, you can save some money at the same time, just give it a shot. So I said, okay. So I started doing research, and my first cooker, it was between the, uh, the Brinkman Smokin' Pro, kind of the offset, cheapy-looking thing, or the Weber Smoky Mountain. And the reviews on the Weber Smoky Mountain, even back then, I think this was 2004, 2005, were just through the roof awesome. And I said, well, that's got to be the one I have to get. Well, a couple weeks later, my wife for her Father's Day that year comes home with a brand new eighteen and a half inch Weber Smoky Mountain. I immediately tried a rack of spare ribs on it. They were some of the worst ribs anybody has ever eaten. Because, like a fool, I followed the directions that came with the Weber Smoky Mountain. So the temperature was too hot. By the time it started to get down, I was running out of coals. I had no. Idea. I was spinning all over the place. And then after going, well, this would also make a really good flower planter because I was a little pissed at how bad the ribs were, I found the virtualweberbullet.com, which was completely devoted to the cooker and all these experts and great people that I met. And I became completely immersed in that website. I was asking a ton of questions. I was gaining a lot of knowledge. Eventually, I was told by the administrator of that website – that perhaps I was asking too many questions that I was too involved, and maybe I want to chip it back a little bit, I was like man you' like I- i'm i 'm totally involved with this whole thing. Well, screw him if i can 't do this i 'm going to do my own and I eventually started my own forum, which back then was b b q for you, which I had to change names because of an impending lawsuit from some guy that got rich doing that to people, and changed it to the barbecue central forum, and that 's kind of where it all started. So now all of a sudden I had this burgeoning barbecue forum. There were people coming from other forums. It was growing organically, and I was getting a lot of great information. And that's like 2000 and ended 2005, 2006 when it really started to take off. And at the same time, there seemed to be an explosion of other barbecue forums that were just popping up all over the place. So I needed a way to differentiate myself so I started looking into something at that point that was called podcasting. And I found some very rudimentary software. I, it wasn't even software. I, the first thing that I used was this thing called Telcaster. And it was basically just a phone conference center with some really bad intro music and some bad outro music. But it recorded. And it sounded like I was calling in on a phone because I was calling in on a phone. And the other guy calling in on a phone sounded like he was on a phone. And it was really badly produced. And the first 10 shows have really never even made it to air where anybody can really find them anymore. Because if you listen to this show now and you listen to those shows, they sound so incredibly different and different bad that I can't bring myself just to put them up there so everybody can hear what an incredible fool I sounded like. But, I mean, I I guess it's like the evolution of everything. So, um you, I, can tra- I can trace my origin into barbecue back and thank and give proper credit to my cousin. Let me say it now: Glenn Rempe introduced me to barbecue, where I have been ever since. Thank you, Glenn. Props to you. A command individual, I might add. Is
1: is he a barbecue fanatic too? Yes.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, he's a guy that had multiple cookers, and uh, I, I think he got out of the catering business, but I mean, he's still. You know, one of my barbecue, he probably doesn't know, but he's one of my barbecue idols. I mean, the guy was just cool. uh, amazing.
1: I hope he's listening. Yeah.
0: Where me does too. he live? I think he's still in Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. You think he's still, you don't know. I, I don't keep it. Meathead, what's the one thing you know about me? I'm the most self-involved a-hole ever. I don't know. I don't know where anybody is. If I don't know where I am, we got trouble. <laughs> So how many cookers have you got now? Uh, right now, I have my Name I have my replacement from the Kenmore, which ended up being a Weber Gasser, a Silver B, no side burner. And that's still in good working order, I might add, probably 12, 13 years after the fact now, still on the deck. I also have a Green Mountain Grill Jim Bowie. I have an original Grilla Pellet Cooker. And I have a Lang 36 patio model, and I have a pair of Weber Smoky Mountains. That's, that's a nice repertoire. That's it right now. Now, so you know, sometimes so re- I get some, and other times I uh, hear I'm going to get some, but they never actually materialize. So one of the
3: questions
1: from the uh, uh, the members is, yep. uh, if you um, needed a what, what's your what's your desert island cooker? If you can only have one, and you're turning blue again.
0: Oh, I can change that. Hold on a second. I'm getting sad because you're going to ask me to pick one. Um, well, I guess I would either take a, well, if I have to pick one, I'm taking the biggest, uh, like the, the ranch kettle, I guess, if that's the one I could take with me, because it, it would have size, and I would be able to cook the majority. Hey, Brian, yeah. Yeah.
1: Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to turn off video because I'm losing touches of your audio, and I didn't hear the answer to that. Okay. So um, uh, that's eating bandwidth, and I don't know what the story is. So would you repeat that answer?
0: Yeah. uh, If I have to pick one, it would be the ranch kettle because it's going to give me the space that I want, and it's going to allow me to cook the majority of ways that I would normally cook. So I'm picking the ranch kettle if I have
1: to pick. That makes such huge sense. Yeah. You know, those, those kettles, even the 22 and a half, it's just such a versatile tool. I,
0: I, I don't think that you can, you know, the Weber kettle is always going to be something that I suggest to people, Weber in general, but the Weber kettle is something I'm always going to be suggesting to people because you can do so many different things with it. It is one of the most versatile cooking implements out there.
1: So, which do you get more enjoyment out of uh
0: the podcast or uh cooking Well, I don't think you can compare between the two because they're they're so different. I'm just trying to find a picture of meat. Oh, oh hold on me hold on, we're gonna go to commercial break here that you didn't know about. Let me get a picture of you up here though, so don't everybody... worry about
1: me just oh you, yeah, yeah we it's all about you tonight
0: all right, so Queen for Queen yeah, queen for a day. All right, hold on. I'll, I'll answer that question here in just one second. Meathead Goldwyn joining me here on the show. Uh, folks, if you are trying to find a cooker, a new cooker to add to the arsenal, might I suggest to you a pit barrel cooker? That's right. Pit barrel cookers makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like pork shoulders and ribs while also being able to ramp up a temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook-and-hang method places the food in the center of the heat, so it's actually like a stationary rotisserie. The result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. That's consistency. Now, Not only is the Pit Barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. It's built to withstand heat. Thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the Pit Barrel is able to stand up to any weather as well. It's extremely portable. It fits in the back of both vans, trucks, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the Pit Barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From the rubs to the unique removable ash pan to pit grips, turkey hangers, hinged grill grates, there's a full line of accessories, rubs, that will really complete your pit barrel cooking experience. I have some rubs right up here on the screen. Best part, for 299 bucks, the pit barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, and it ships free right to your door. Ships for free right to your door. Unbelievable. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't take my word for it. We can ask Meathead Goldwyn when he comes back what he thinks about the pit barrel. It's one, not once, not twice but three times their gold division that's the highest rating by the way they've also said quote we're running out of good things to say about this simple affordable smoker there's nothing else like it on the market head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com and see what everybody's talking about be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos that are shot in high definition then pick up one or two for yourself you can thank me later if you have any questions you can contact them through their website or call them directly 502-228-1222. That's 502-228-1222. And, yes, they'll actually talk to you, human beings that know what they're talking about. Find out what great customer service is all about. Please go to pitbarrelcooker.com. Again, the new rub sizes are available. Two and a half pounds, that's the big bag. And you got the five-ounce bag as well. We're out of the shaker stuff. Let's go to the bags. Easy to stack, good point-of-sale stuff. Not letting light in. Come on, you know what time it is. Pitbarrelcooker.com. All right, we're back with more Meathead interviewing me. Stick around.
3: Get in the smoke. Call 877 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rebbe.
0: All right, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of the pellet-driven cookers out there on the market today. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy them from Amazon.com. Never heard of Amazon. Download their app too. Cooking Pellets has an app. It's free. Everybody loves free apps. All right, Meathead. We're talking about me. Uh, you're back on the screen there, so let me go ahead and duck you uh here. Where where do we uh oh what were we talking about? I was gonna well, give you an answer. You
1: you mentioned that I am a fan of the pit barrel cooker, That's and right. uh uh I am indeed. Uh, I recommend it frequently. It's a pretty nice machine. Uh People, especially for people getting started, in my mind, it has supplanted the Webby, Webby, the Webby, the Weber Smoky Mountain, as the uh, number one entree, uh, entree, entry level uh, smoker. Uh, uh, Couldn't be simpler, couldn't be easier, and uh, you just don't hear people ever complain about it. So uh, good to have them as an advertiser. Absolutely, yeah, great. And you you commented about they actually answer the phone. They do and it's not hard to get at Noah the guy who designed a darn thing um, he'll he'll hold your hand I mean he's it's pretty impressive little operation absolutely I agree so we were talking about um, your uh, dual loves of barbecue and uh, broadcasting
0: yeah I mean I think uh, I think satisfaction wise if I if I really nail a show I probably get more satisfaction out of that than if I really nail food Uh, i think
1: it's that interesting
0: and i I think it's just purely like a a, a, either a sense of accomplishment or perhaps underlyingly a, a little bit more of an ego boost where if i feel like i've really put something together and i receive a lot of emails saying hey you know this was one of your best shows or or that was one of your best shows or i really loved how you asked this question or you don't uh, puss out on anything you're you're gonna ask it. It's not just softballs all the time. All this stuff uh, that I get more gratification out of that. I and mean, if I nail a rack of ribs or nail a pork, but I certainly get kudos here and there from the neighbors. But in the end, are they really going to tell me that my food sucks if they're eating it for free? Probably not. So I think in the end, uh, I do get more. I am definitely more passionate about the show.
1: I, I, I lost your audio again, so I'm killing my video.
0: Oh, all right. That's no problem. I, I, mean, I, I really do think I am more passionate about my show than I am about cooking, but I love to cook barbecue as well and kind of implement the techniques and the tips that I get from all my guests on the show, I mean, it's a win-win for me. But I do love the show more, I guess.
1: You've you've really gotten into the technology too. I mean, that microphone has evolved over the years. Uh, what kind of microphone is that now?
0: Uh, this one is a High LPR40. I've had the Electro Voice RE20, which you find in a lot of broadcast stations at this point. Also a Sure SMB7, which is another high line uh, broadcast microphone. Uh, I, I think microphones for me are like rich people with really expensive cars. Uh, they serve a purpose for a certain amount of time, and then you just get a new one. And uh, to be honest, I've been looking at possibly replacing this one, going back to the Electrovoice RE20, uh, just to change it up, I guess. But, um, you know, I have a rule that I just don't go out and uh, expense stuff because I can. Uh, I want to make sure that any time I make an expenditure for the show that I'm just reinvesting back into it. I would never just, and that's how I started the, you know, the whole podcast thing. When I had, when I was able to secure advertisers, the only time I would go and spend money is if I had the money to spend, I wouldn't, it was never an expense thing about me. I was always constantly reinvesting and reinvesting. And as I gained more advertisers, I was able to reinvest more stuff into the show and kind of build it into, it's all been pieced together over, you know, eight years.
1: Are you break even or
0: profitable? Oh, I'm way profitable, but you know the the benefit of this show or doing a show like this is if I were to do this show on regular radio and do it the way people told me they wanted me to do it, and those people would be the radio people. they want me to meet a broker time or that's a fancy term for saying rent an hour or two at an extravagant rate, so by the time I had secured enough money to buy me an hour or two on. Blah, 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 AM station here in Cleveland, you know, I would be making maybe a hundred or two bucks at the end of the day, which to me as a business guy doesn't make any sense. My thought is if I was going to go into terrestrial radio, I was going to sell myself in command that at the very least we were going to be bartering at zero and I was going to be able to make money on advertisers I were going to bring in. And if the station was bringing something in, then they could keep that money, but I was going to make my money or you were going to pay me. Lots of money, potentially. That didn't seem to work out up until this point. So there's like zero overhead for me to do this show. I have to pay for my audio only. I pay a recurring Skype charge to make sure I can do all my phone interviews and all that good stuff. And uh, you know miscellaneous stuff here and there, but there isn't a huge nut that I have to cover every month to do the show. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I uh, the show is absolutely profitable. I've had a number of the same advertisers for years. Uh, I don't know if I'm. Well, I'm probably undercharging. A memo to the sponsors: I'm letting the cat out of the bag. I'm probably undercharging. But look, there's no mold here for me to go out and dictate where you know Terrestrial Radio has a track record of what they're asking for depending on demographic. All I can go off of is the numbers that I'm generating, and I use a very uh, reputable company and tracking my download stats and and a lot of with as with as great as the technology is these days there's still not a great way to track live eyeballs on roku or on youtube or you know all this other stuff Uh, so you just try and figure out ways to get yourself out there more and facebook live has really helped the show get a lot more looks during the time that the show airs but uh, i'm getting away from the actual question Uh, Yes, uh, absolutely profitable. I'm not trying to steer away from that, Uh, and and, uh, I I have to thank uh, all the sponsors that I have for being with me, uh, whether they had just started or the guys that have been with me for years and years and years since the inception. Um, But you know, not nearly as profitable as AmazingRibs.com, but you know, (laughs) we are making some money. But I can't quit my day job. Uh, uh, We would be right at poverty, I believe, if uh, I were to do that and do this full time.
1: Well. You know, it sounds like, hearing you talk, that this is a really complex process, too. Um, uh, How how do you, well, I don't know if we need to get into the weeds about how you track eyeballs, but when I log on, I see maybe 30 people watching live, but I know you're on iTunes and Roku and other delivery channels. Um, You're able to track that, and do you have a sense for how many people actually watch this show.
0: Yeah, so the number that you're referring to, let's say in the chat room, so there's about, you know, 30 connections. We can't necessarily assume that it's just one set of eyeballs watching. Maybe, you know, Doug Shidings in the chat room, right. maybe him and his wife are watching. So technically that's two people, but it's only showing as one. You could have 500 people in a room watching the show and it's only showing as one connection. Same thing for my audio only side which you can get on my website. Uh, It's only connections. So that's what I was talking about when I'm saying here's the technology barriers. I I can't put a a really good number on connections as that relates to people. I kind of safely double it and assume that's how many people might be watching live. But here's the deal, and I'm making no bones about it. The majority of people do not get this show live Tuesday from 9 to 11. They get it starting at 11.55 tonight through whenever they get it on iTunes or any of the podcast directory downloads. And that number is you know right around eleven to 12,000 downloads per month because people get it and listen to it when they want to consume it because convenience is king right now. And I would be lying if I said that the live numbers surpass the downloads because it's just not true, and it's never been true. And I don't think it will ever be true because, as I just said, convenience is king. So...
1: You mentioned something about renting the hours or something so it has crossed your mind that you might want to take this to terrestrial radio you might want to go to um, a national broadcasting network of some sort or a Cleveland station and say I'd like to do 30 minutes or an hour live on air on barbecue and have barbecue people come on board um, their response to you is Sure, just bring in the advertisers with you.
0: Yeah, if 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 there were stations that had open slots, because obviously they're in business too and they want to fill any empty airtime they have, they said, "Yeah, uh, we'll have you, but you got to pay us X amount per hour in order to to do your show, and it's up to you to figure out how you're gonna cover that nut." And it was it's it's just very expensive to get on. I mean, you know, do. Do a little bit of uh, phone work and see how much it is to be on your on the best radio station, you know, WGN in Chicago, or in here it's the WTAM 1100 in Cleveland, or it's, it's on and on down the line. And, of course, there's a lot of conglomerates now, you know, very few. A few companies own the majority of the radio stations across the country. So there's a model that's put in place. I didn't agree with it. And then the companies that said they would take a chance on me said, "Well, you know, we'd bring you on, but you haven't been cleared in any other station yet. We're not going to be the first guys to draw the line in the sand." So, I realized that while there was an initial goal of getting the show transitioned from internet to radio and then potentially syndicated across the country, you know, the the end goal in the beginning was to be syndicated from like 1 to 3 Saturdays nationwide pulling down a cool $2, 3000000 million a year over a five-year contract, right? Um, evidently, that wasn't realistic, so I've had to readjust the expectation. And if the show never goes anywhere other than here, I'm absolutely okay with it. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, we've seen what you've done over the last X amount of years, and now we want to put you up, I'll entertain it. But it has to be the right situation, and it has to be done the right way. Uh, certainly money is important, but it's not going to be just a cash grab to get out to the masses. It's got to be done the right way to ensure the growth of the show over time.
1: Is anybody successfully doing a uh, live over-the-air uh, radio show or recorded over-the-air? I know Bruce Bjorkman used to go out over Fox Network yep. and out of um, someplace in uh, Oregon, but he's off the air right now. I know that there are a number of people who do food In general and like to focus on barbecue occasionally but is there anything just barbecue centric out there
0: aside from mr barbecue who has powered down the microphone uh, a year or so ago i don't know of any other strictly barbecue related talk show uh but i can't say that for sure i mean there's a lot of radio stations out there um and there's a lot of internet shows out there but look let's be honest There's a lot of crap out there that could be barbecue-related, and there's. I think this is the only show that really does and covers the industry and the topics that I do each and every week the way that I cover it. Nobody else is doing a show like mine. Nobody else is really bringing their opinions to the table and booking all the high-line guests and having the uh, inroads that I've been able to make over the last eight or nine years uh, because of the hard work and the effort, so... Uh, even if there is, I don't think uh, there's probably a, a caliber or a high level of professionalism. And look, I would, I've, I've made this show to transition to terrestrial radio if need be. That's why we have breaks. That's why I have sponsor reads because that's what's happening on regular radio. So if it ever came to that, I could transition easily. Uh, I just don't know if there's other recurring shows that deal with it other than dabble in it here and there, like you said. A food show that might talk about it every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I'm not aware of any, and frankly, um, you know, one has to wonder if there's a big enough market for it. But, hey, you're ours, and we know how to find you. Um, uh, You know, when it comes to your uh, audit audit stats, uh, one of the uh, listeners was asking, uh, what's the best way to ensure you get audit stats from us? Uh, Should we be downloading it, uh, uh, listening live? Uh, how, How do we help you?
0: The most trackable way is to subscribe through either Google Play Music or iTunes or somebody like that because there is a really good trackability program set up that I use through a company called Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, um, no vowels in there for whatever reason. Uh, but they're like the podcast leader of bona fide verifiable statistics.
1: Greg, U is a vowel.
0: Okay, uh, B. Uh, yeah, okay. Meathead, who are, who's doing the interviewing here? So, uh, so yes, you're right. That is a vowel. I I apologize. So, um, you know, all the other ways, it's it's really it's. I don't really get a lot of oh views on YouTube per se. You know, maybe a hundred or so each show. But look, I get it. I mean, it's a two hour diatribe on barbecue that probably becomes a little yawnsome after 20 minutes uh, so maybe you get it in bits as pieces or whatever however all of the views as a collective is something that I can kind of piece together and then present it to somebody if they really need it but to me the biggest easiest stat to get is a subscription into one of the podcast things
1: okay so everybody out there we need to go out and subscribe to the podcast <laughs> even if we're listening live We can at least subscribe and then just dump it and throw it out since we've already listened to it. Right.
0: Or just visit my website because that's the same. It tracks the same way through a podcast uh, iTunes type thing as it does on my website. It's the same service providing the same statistics.
1: So if this is profitable but not enough to support you, what do you do in the daytime?
0: I am a Class 8 which means, like, the big rigs, uh, truck salesman for Peterbilt, the or the second biggest Peterbilt dealership in the country. That's a company called Allstate Peterbilt Group.
1: That's cool. Do you get to drive those big rigs?
0: Yes, and they're very fun. Wow. Yeah, really. Do uh,
1: how long have you been doing this? Because I know you've had a couple of other jobs along the way.
0: Yeah, uh, about a year and a half uh, before that I was actually director of sales for a private operator of 50 passenger regional jets. And then before that, uh in the heavy duty trucking industry in some form or fashion uh, for the majority of my professional life since graduating college in 97.
1: Very cool. So you've been in sales mostly.
0: Yes, all all sales all the time. So um
1: uh and is, does your wife work? Is she uh, a nurse or a doctor?
0: Or? No, she, uh, well, she's a physical therapy assistant and she is also uh, a full-time instructor at Kent State in the Ashtabula branch for the physical therapy assistance program. So she's actually like a dual job. So the, the main job is the instructor with Kent or as I would say, professor. And, uh... To fill in on days that she can, she works PRN work, which is like fill-in work in the uh, physical therapy realm. Cool. Yep.
1: Cool. And uh, this is in your. This is done in your basement, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, this show from you know where we moved in, it used to just be in the back room of the old house. But when we moved into the new house four years ago, uh, I went into the basement and then we refinished it about a year ago, or finished it about a year wow. ago. So I was able to actually build a small little studio. And uh, this is like my little, I don't, I hate the word man cave, but I guess if that's what I have to use, it's kind of like my own uh, private cave here that is all show related. Everything in here has to do with the show in some form or fashion. Mm.
1: So when you cook. Yes. Um. What is the family favorite? What is it they call for the most?
0: Uh, It's either pork butt or pork ribs. Those are the favorites. Although brisket is really starting to make an uptick, which is very exciting for me because it's something that I don't get to cook as often. But the favorites are ribs and pork butt.
1: And uh, which of
0: these do you find the most challenging? A question
1: from one of your listeners. I
0: mean, brisket is the most challenging for me. Uh, I, I don't know if I've yet to really nail one but I enjoy the process it's not something where I'm not nailing it and I'm becoming irritated with it um, the easiest things for me to do chicken wings, ribs uh, pork butt, a lot of that you know standard stuff, just because I've cooked it so much now it's, uh, it's, a, it's a program that I can easily do but the brisket is something that I still, I don't want to say struggle with but I really like to continue to learn and, and make it a better product each and every time.
1: What's your favorite uh, machine for cooking it on?
0: I love the Lang. Uh, there's something yeah. about throwing sticks that is really romantic to me and that I, if I have the time to do it, I, I prefer to do it that way. It's a great flavor too, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. I think there is a, a distinct difference between that and every other cooker.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a Lang 36 also and I uh, uh, love working with it. Uh, it's a great flavor. does require some effort. Um, sure. I'm going to be really interested to hear your comments on this new uh, temperature control device for, have you played with it with Lang?
0: Yeah, uh, I just used it Sunday, and uh, you know, uh, better, uh, more uh, a more positive than negative. But I think, uh, as I had said in the open, there was a little user error, just not being there's not a huge amount of information about it right now. Not a lot of you know, video saying here's how you really do. It. You know it's like anything you want all the information you can get so when it's not there you just kind of left to uh-huh. your own devices uh-huh. um, although the owner was very available when i needed him so uh, but uh-huh. i like to kind of learn by a little trial and error and it was nothing uh, negative against his product i think it was just a little more on my side uh, than anything else but i mean it, it worked pretty good so um you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk to him absolutely so
1: uh people send you stuff don't they they send you barbecue sauces and accessories and yeah stuff
0: like that uh maybe not as much as people think but well the sauces and the rubs do come quite a bit but you know a lot of the big big ticket items um i think there's a perception that i get a lot of that stuff and i don't um and you know i'm not a guy with the handout either i mean i could probably go to a lot of people and ask for stuff but uh i personally i find that a little tacky because i'm not uh, you know, a, a website with your stature that has that kind of ability to to command because people are going to come there for review. Uh, I'm not there yet, so I'm not going to ask anybody. Now, if they offer, that's a little bit different, but it's the same mandate that goes out. You know, just because you give me something doesn't mean we're going to be talking about it. And if that's the expectation, you got to tell me up front, uh, and then I'm going to probably tell you no.
1: So um, do you have um, Barbecue Guru or anything else tattooed on you?
0: no <laughs> <laughs> no i should i'm sure bob uh trudnak will mandate that at some point i mean uh, i saw
1: i thought i saw a tat on your arm when you lifted it up earlier do you have tats
0: yeah i have uh that one there which is a biomechanical tattoo and then i have uh these oh i just went blue again Well, you can't really see him i gotta unblue me there we go so yeah i have uh like three tattoos i guess what are they uh, one's an ambigram that says "regret nothing." Uh, the other one on my wrist is a series of thirteens, which uh, uh, reflect back to all the women in my life. And uh, the biomechanical one is just something that I've always wanted to get, so I got it.
1: You do have a house full, hold full of females,
0: That's don't right. you? There's enough man in this house already, buddy. <laughs> right.
1: Are you are you gonna are you gonna try for a, a son?
0: Am I going to try for a son? Well, the vasectomy took care of that one.
1: Okay. Oh, boy. We, we are being candid, aren't we? Good for you.
0: Yeah. 2006. That was it. Oh, geez.
1: So what haven't I asked you that I need to ask you?
0: Um, I think what, that's
1: what it. What about you that the world needs to know?
0: Well, they're going to need to know that we have to wrap up because we're coming to the top of the hour here and I got to make room, but... Meathead what Goldwyn. Are, what is, are you reading on
1: your uh, nightstand right now?
0: I don't read. Oh, you've said that before. Yeah, I, I never, never. I will never read. I what, read. What do, you, what do I want? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I read enough posts and all this other stuff during the day. I don't like, read books.
1: You don't. You don't find time for a novel or even uh, no, no a way. marketing text. Um, <laughs>
0: Uh no, I mean I just don't read. I can hmm. read, I choose not to.
1: Well, I mean you don't know that you is a vowel. So I can understand oh, why. Oh, you son of a
0: bitch. <laughs> True enough. True enough. Uh Meathead Goldwyn, I hate to chase you off here, but I got to make sure that the clock is right for the second hour. You can find him at amazingribs.com. Meathead, this was uh fun. I've never really been yes. turned around like this. So hopefully you've uh You've gotten some of the questions answered that you were hoping to uh, yeah. ask and get answered. Uh, you know, always appreciate it, man.
1: This was fun.
0: All right. Well, then you interview me again next month. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Meathead Goldwin. Thank you, Meathead.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Take care.
0: There he is, Meathead Goldwyn. How about that? All right. Way late. That's all right. Hey, if it's about me, we can make the time, right?
1: This is Jim Minion from Two Loose Screws. Yeah. I'm listening to
0: Barbecue Center. This is where we have to play catch up. All right, hold on. Uh, gang, if you're like me, you're thinking of ways to step the barbecue and grilling game up a notch. No better, no easier way than by adding a little butcher barbecue to your arsenal. Here's the deal. You go to butcherbbq.com. That's butcherbbq.com and check out these products. All the new rubs the cherry rub, the private seasoning, the private blend, the chipotle. The honey rub, the steak and brisket rub, i mean, the list goes on and on. They're fabulous. Of course, you know the injections. The pork injection, the beef injection, the prime injection, the bird boosters. That's all good stuff. The sweet barbecue sauce? Come on. I'm as picky as it gets. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That I love Butcher's Barbecue, sweet barbecue sauce because... No liquid smoke, A, great flavor, good amount of back-end heat, all that good stuff. And then the product sweeping the nation that I use all the time, grilling oil. I'm using it all the time. Three flavors there, steakhouse, chipotle, and butter. I love butter. So, here's what you do. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com, and buy all all of the products because you're just going to be very excited and you're going to be very happy. I can't talk enough about the grilling oil, okay? Here's what I'm telling you. All the other stuff is great. I used the rubs this weekend on the ribs that I made Sunday for the test cook. But I also used the grilling oil on those ribs as well. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always, always trust your butcher. All right, let's get into the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central
0: Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show.
2: Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we
1: want to. Hit me! Fine, how is <laughs> you wrong? We have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and
3: he's in the in the crackle.
0: Charbonneau! It's all about the Charbonneau, dude! Succulent fish, what?
1: He ate two feet before we ate. So listen, LaBernia's
0: check your face I'm shaking like a dog shit
1: peach seeds. <laughs> we
2: have top men working on
3: it right now. Mm-hmm. Top
0: All right, just like that we are into the second hour. Uh paging John Dawson. It's a Logitech 922 Pro Stream. Logitech 922 Pro Stream. That's the webcam. It will not lock my color for crying out loud. I hate doing that. It's like a magic trick each and every time. I'm telling. You. Still to come on the show tonight. Hold on, let me get there. Steven Thibodeau from the barbecue blower. Jason Ganahl from GQ Barbecue. I don't know if you guys uh, follow Rod Gray on Facebook or not, but uh, I I was getting a lot of email. He had made a post. I don't even remember what it was specifically. I think, oh, Rod had shared, did it again. Rod had shared a uh, message. Or one of those Facebook memories, like Facebooks will uh, prompt you to say, hey, you took this picture X amount of years ago. How great is it still? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it was Johnny Trigg and Myron Mixon, and those are the only two guys I can remember right off the top of my head. It was like five or six people up there. Uh, George, uh, George Stevens' son was up there, something like that. Guy Fieri was up there. Somebody had asked Rod, why is Guy in the middle of that? And he said, oh, well, he's been the Hall of Fame and blah, And the guy kind of innocuously replied, you know, why is Guy in there? And then Rod had said, you know, Guy had uh, been inducted the first year and agreed to MC the following year and, you know, was great, uh, a great proponent or a great advocate for barbecue and and really helped the barbecue hall of fame situation out and i said you know what here's a good time for me to jump in and hijack somebody's post and make sure that we all realize that guy fietti should not be in the barbecue hall of fame
3: i am
0: not saying that A, Guy is not a good guy because I have said on any number of occasions I would love to hang out with him and drink beers and walk off or walk down the street because 10, pe- 10 out of 10 people know Guy, uh, 0 out of 10 people will ever know me. So the cast-off poon from Guy is going to be seismic and tremendous. So just on the strength of the cast-off poon alone would I like to hang out with Guy Fieri. However, uh, also... Uh, being generous to host and emcee the Barbecue Hall of Fame for two years. Very nice. Not arguing that as well. Guy Fieri should not, not be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And my point is this, if you've never heard it before and if you didn't read the Facebook page, what has he ever done for barbecue? Nothing. Nothing. He is not in the business of barbecue. I mean, he makes some... Barbecue sauces, but he's not in the business of barbecue. He's not a championship pitmaster like Chris Lilly and Myron Mixon, and the list goes on. Johnny Trigg, the list goes on and on, and he goes in as uh, in the celebrity slash humanitarian category, which, by the way, I have been a strong proponent of getting rid of. In the barbecue hall of fame, voting too is the categories. If Guy goes in the barbecue hall of fame in the celebrity slash humanitarian category, that opens it up for everybody that is in or is a celebrity. Will Smith's son can be in the barbecue hall of fame, Uh-oh. Kim Kardashian is a celebrity, could be in the barbecue hall of fame. Uh-oh. In the same line of reasoning, Fetty Wap could be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. If you're a celebrity, you have an opportunity to be in the barbecue. That's the problem. It's not that I don't like Guy. I like him. I watch his shows. I like him as a host. I liked him as a game show host. I did. He should not be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Bobby Flay should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Bobby Flay should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Guy should be out of the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And if the Barbecue Hall of Fame wanted to do it right, they should have just hired Guy and paid whatever his appearance fee is to emcee the Barbecue Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. That's what should have happened. Not inducting him into the Barbecue Hall of Fame so he would show up? The Hall of Fame is sacred for the most esteemed barbecue people. There's thousands of people, thousands of people that should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame way before Guy, and Guy should not be in. I, I guarantee if I could get him on the show and I said, Guy, you, me, and the fence post in the internet, should you be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame? I mean, he should say no. He should say no. I mean, he can't say no because he's in now, right? But if somebody wanted to put me in the NASCAR Hall of Fame because for two years I was a private operator, of 50-passenger regional jets in the sales department, and I did business with BK Racing and Joe Gibbs and Joe Gibbs Racing, should I be in the NASCAR Hall of Fame for that? Absolutely not. Get
3: that big stuff out of here.
0: Guy should not be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. It's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. Okay? Again, not saying that I don't like Guy. I like Guy. I don't like him in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Quite frankly, neither should you. You're right. Doug is right. Dennis is right. Flay should be in. I agree. He's done barbecue shows. Straight up barbecue shows. Triple D covers the span of fare from all over the world, just happens to be right here in the country because we are a melting pot. Barbecue with Bobby Flay. Boy Meets Grill. The list goes on for Bobby Flay. He's done stuff for the barbecue industry. And don't give me that crap that Guy Fieri was on uh, the Motley Crue barbecue team. Give break. It may or may not be my place to say that if you go back and look at the success that the Motley Q crew has had, Guy has not been on that team when they've had their biggest successes. Sorry. Go back and look. Yes. I, I'm asking I'm getting asked the question, Bobby Flaish? Yes. Bobby if guy's in, I mean, give me a break. Bobby should be in, right? I think if you get rid of the categories, you're going to help yourself out. I think if in the very beginning, and we've had this conversation with the likes of Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly Barbecue, that first year at the American Royal, they should have inducted like a thousand people. Had a big, broad base, dumped the categories, come up with a number that every year we're just going to go for X amount of people. And that's how you do it category not maybe one year it's all pitmasters maybe it just is maybe one year it's more business people and pitmasters but you can't have celebrity category and humanitarian category I'm not saying that Artie Davis isn't a good humanitarian I mean he is no doubt but he's a barbecue guy Artie Davis Remus Powers is a barbecue guy through and through well-known well-respected, written the barbecue articles for uh, the Kansas City Star, whatever he writes for, done the legwork in the KCBS, has the time in. Is he a humanitarian of barbecue? Sure, I agree with that. But you leave yourself open for the other side of the coin, especially in the celebrity category. Ray Lampy is first and foremost a pit master. Now, he's in the Barbecue Hall of Fame as a celebrity, and we've had this conversation on the show before. I'm sure any guy who has cooked competitively or been known as a competitive cook, if they had their druthers, would rather go in as a pitmaster. But he has no choice. He goes in as a celebrity. Chris Lilly could as, uh, easily have gone in as a celebrity or a business person or, as he did, as a pit master. So what can I tell you? Do away with the categories, please. And if you can undo Guy from being in the Hall of Fame, I would undo Guy. And I love Guy. Folks, the Chops Power Injector System, 2015-2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year, comes in three awesome sizes to fit your injecting needs. The number one seller is the half-gallon Chops Power Injector System, designed for competitions Or the Backyard Warrior, guys. Easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. You just have one brisket or pork shoulder to do. You don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. Comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. $100 plus shipping anywhere. The one-gallon Chops Power Injector System is designed for catering and bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the injection of the half-gallon size. Some use it in competitions like MBN when you're doing the whole hog. Maybe you're cooking 10 pork shoulders to get that perfect one. This is the one you want. It comes with 14 gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 120 bucks plus you shipping. Of course, the last one, the chops full power injector system, the electric and commercial competition Big Daddy. Not a holding tank this time, but a three and a half foot pickup tube. You can put it in any size container, from a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob. At the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, he said time and time again that with a chastel power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14 gauge needles, three inch, 12 gauge needles, two inch, 11 and a half gauge needles, three plug screws, a needle protector. 325 bucks plus you pay for shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the world use Chop. Power injector systems every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. Here's the thing we live in a foodie world that requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. It's not just for meat. How about alcohol infused watermelon or cantaloupe or strawberries, blueberries? Extra accessories. If you want them, they got them. You visit Barbecue Kansas City. That's B A R B E Q U E, barbecuekansascity.com. Stephen Thibodeau coming up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. This portion being brought to you by the Unknown Barbecue Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made in the USA, stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. The fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories keep your gear where it needs to be. At arm's length, ready for battle, visit unknownbbq.com shop today. Use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, for 15% off your entire order. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop. Promo code REMPE. So, you have an offset barbecue pit. You try to maintain temperature with those logs and get those target temperatures. Just don't seem to be working too well for you. What's a boy or girl supposed to do? If you've thought about some kind of draft system but never felt like one really fit your pit, you might want to listen to this next segment... He's created a product called the Perfect Draft Barbecue Blower. Let's go ahead and hit the hotline. Welcome first-timer of the show, Stephen Thibodeau. Stephen, Hart, how are you? Buddy. Doing great, man. How are you? Absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Appreciate you. Uh, did I get you on your cell phone or on your computer?
4: You got me on my computer.
0: Okay. Uh, go ahead and click your camera there so we can see you. And okay, we should be off and running. Here. I don't know, it's like Skype all of a sudden decided that they were just going to default to, uh, like, no, uh, no camera for whatever reason. So let me grab your screen okay. here. Give me one second here, and we'll be uh, ready to go. Uh, Stephen. before we uh, get into the perfect draft itself, uh, why don't we get a little bit about you and kind of your ties to the barbecue and grilling world, as it were.
4: Well, um I'm a long time lifer as far as barbecuing, love to do it, done it my whole life. And I started off in a barrel pit using charcoal, graduated up to the offset smokers and had a difficult time trying to maintain the draft and and the fire on it, you know. And uh, one day I was just messing around with the pit, Uh, I was actually cutting my grass had a leaf blower, propped it up against the firebox. Air was kind of going into it, saw my temperature coming up. One thing led to another. Uh, I said, you know, the light bulb went off. So, you know, every, every invention started with a problem that you had to have a solution to. So that's how I got to this point.
0: Uh, from a professional perspective, Stephen, are, are you like in the business of barbecue and grilling uh, industry-wise or... Are you like me, a guy who's kind of uh, outsider by day and insider after the uh, normal job?
4: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sort of like you. You know, I've, I've been an avid barbecuer, just doing it backyard, never done competition before. Um, always went to competitions and, and found it very intriguing. But yeah, I'm, I'm just like a, you know, Sunday barbecue on the weekends. And uh, that's pretty much it.
0: So you you were kind of caught up in a little bit of a frustration with fire management in that draft with the stick burner, which a lot of people are, of course, especially when they're first getting into it, kind of learning that whole fire management thing. Uh, Thusly, the perfect draft is kind of born out of that frustration. How long does it take to go from, hey, I just saw what this leaf blower did, to something that you start now generating prototypes uh, let's revise here, let's revise there. Hey, now I have something that I want to bring to market. What kind of a time frame are we looking like that?
4: Well, you know what, Greg? I started out with uh, a charcoal canister, the kind you just dump the charcoal in and light it and stuck a fan in it and um, had, had some results with the temperature coming up. Uh, graduated up to maybe four or five more rough prototypes. This is over a three-year period. Uh, when I finally got something that was close to what we wanted and it appears that it was gonna work, um, it took about maybe three years of testing and uh, we've been in business now for about four and a half months. Now I'm gonna show you something. The first prototype we sent, I don't know if you can see this, but this little device here, yeah, this, is we paid five hundred dollars for this? Wow! And we sent the actual drawings off to a company, and the measurements they had was wrong. And this is what we got for the blower. <laughs> so this was this was the first prototype for the uh, perfect draft barbecue blower. You should yeah.
0: have immediately called uh, Big Green Egg and said, "Hey, we got a draft system for the mini Big Green Egg right here. Here we go! Wow, that's yeah, small. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's small." So, uh, and you're like, hey, man, you just completely misspecked this. You got to build me a new one?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hey, uh, you got the measurements totally wrong. Uh, this thing <laughs> should be at least eight times larger than what, what you've got here. So we went back to the drawing board, uh, got the, the measurements right, and then we came out with this one, which is what we're currently selling on the market now.
0: So it, it's taken three years, but you've been actively selling for four and a half months. So is that three year period just getting something that you feel comfortable taking to market like that one you just had up? That's the one where you decide, OK, here we go. We're going to take it to market.
4: Right. Um, you know, it's it started off, like I said, really crude with a charcoal canister and a fan shoved in it. Um, Three years, literally, of testing with that and a couple other really crude uh, prototypes, and then I finally, you know, said this thing actually works on on a really really uh, novel, just just a basic level. So I knew if I could develop a nice temperature controller uh, to go along with it, then we would probably have something.
0: Stephen Thibodeau joining me here on the show. The website, if you want to check it out while we're talking, uh, theperfectdraft.com, theperfectdraft.com. Steven, look, draft systems certainly aren't new, especially to barbecue folks that are kind of in the segment. One of the most recognizable brands in this market happens to be my longest-running sponsor of my show, The Barbecue Guru. So tell me how The Perfect Draft, I guess, might be similar to something the guru might offer but I guess more importantly, how they go ahead and, and start to diverge from one another.
4: Well, the Barbecue Guru, like I said, I know it's been around for a long time, and uh, it's, it's a product that's well known and it works. Um, our device is mainly made for from backyard offset smokers to competition style. I mean, uh, we have a variable speed fan that can go from one CFMs of airflow all the way up to 124 CFMs of airflow. It connects magnetically uh, and it and it does have a, a temperature controller built into it. So the Guru I think is more tailored for Komodo, Weber's, the smaller grills, where that's not really our focus. We're pretty much focused on the offset smokers, the uh, competition style. You don't need to buy uh, two or three different size fans because our fan, that one fan accommodates uh, various speeds that can handle from a, a small cooker to the larger ones. So I think that's the that's the biggest difference, and we're not looking to to adapt to the Weber grills. Uh, so we're gonna stay in our lane, and you know I respect them, and hopefully you know they'll look at us as uh, not a competitor, but just another good device that's on the market that complements theirs.
0: Steven, let me talk to you about operation uh, mounting, obviously, which we'll get into here in a second. But I guess, you know, from a high level, talk to me about uh, how this particular system will operate and how you want to go about setting it up to use for the first time and then ongoing.
4: Well, how it operates, basically, Greg, you would attach it to your firebox where the air intake is. We have an automatic and we also have a manual mode. So in automatic mode, you would stick the probe, temperature probe, that goes right here. And from here, it connects to the cooking chamber of where your meat is. You stick it in there under the lid. And then we have a setting on here where you can set the temperature at which you wanna regulate uh, your your barbecue pit to be. So you can set it for 250. The probe will register the degrees of the, the pit and the variable speed fan will kick up, get it to that set point. If it drops below the set point, the fan slows down and it turns off. And it regulates, the fan will regulate on and off to maintain that temperature. And you can also, if you don't want to use the probe, you can switch it to manual mode on here, and then you control the fan speed, uh, and depending on how much airflow you think you need, you set the airflow, and you look at your TI on your uh, barbecue pit, and from there, uh, you just maintain the temperature by using the variable speed controller in the manual mode.
0: Uh, Stephen, it would seem, I guess, intuitive that if you're going to be buying something like this, you want to take as much risk or assumption out of your hands and use automatic mode? Do you find that from the reviews that you're getting and the feedback you're getting from your clients that they use automatic mode more than they use um, uh, manual mode? Or is there a real reason to use manual mode this way and automatic mode this way?
4: No, you know what, Greg, I I think most people, most of the feedback that I'm getting, they really love the automatic mode because they could set the temperature and pretty much walk away from it, and it will regulate and control. Competition, uh, people who barbecue competition, they stay uh, overnight, all night, they're cooking for 20 hours plus, so for them, it's, it's a big plus to control it in automatic mode versus the manual mode.
0: When we talk about mounting it, and you had said a little bit earlier that the one side where you know it's sticking into the firebox or mounting onto the firebox, you have a bunch of uh, industrial magnets that are on there. Um, now, in the manual, there also is a hook that you can install into the firebox. Of course, uh, as I had uh, talked to you about in email... I, I, I'm not handy, and when it says drill or anything about uh, measurements, or any, I, my, I start sweating both on the inside and the outside because, uh, A, I'm probably going to fuck it up. But, B, uh, you know, I just don't like drilling stuff into something that might have cost me thousands of dollars. So uh, talk to me about you know, any feedback you're getting from customers that have you know, similar uh, Dr. Phil issues and you know, how to go about if you don't like doing it one way, can you really do it another way?
4: Well, you know what? That was, a, uh, I guess, a huge obstacle uh, in my mind And whenever I, I thought about how is, how is it going to connect. I, don't, I didn't want people to have to drill into their pit to modify anything, but because there's so many different styles of barbecue pits, uh, some that are out there uh, that are homemade, some that are professionally made, we couldn't get around it. So you drill a three, eight inch hole into the firebox, and a safety hook goes on. The safety hook is there just to hold it in place and secure it. The magnets can do the job, but if someone bumps into it, it, it will get knocked off. So uh, the magnets, the novelty of it is really cool. It's, it's a quick way to connect it. But the safety hook, you have to drill one hole and that really secures the actual, the blower onto the firebox. So that's why we we have the hook. Uh,
0: Also, as far as the temperature probe, you do have the option of kind of installing that um, uh, through drilling as well, but you can also just lay it on the grill grate, as you had mentioned before.
4: Yeah. and, And you know what? Most guys I talk to, they prefer to lift the lid and put it inside the grill grate uh, because no one wants to put holes in in their barbecue pit, especially if you have a Lang or a uh, bubble grill or anything like that—something really high dollar. So, and, and I can appreciate that. So it worked both ways.
0: Stephen Thibodeau joining me here on the show, the perfect draft barbecue blower. Uh, Stephen, talk to me about once you have that initial bed of coals, and this is something that I ran into Sunday because. <laughs> Uh, a, I guess I didn't want to overuse your accessibility on a Sunday. Uh, but, you know, I also like to kind of learn by myself. My initial thought was, get you know, get some nice bed of coals going and then add a piece every 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Uh, but after I got done talking to you about my first run, you're like, hey, you know, it's okay to, to kind of pack it up a little bit in the firebox. And this is the reasons why, because the barbecue blower is going to help combust and make sure that thing's burning clean, correct?
4: Correct. Uh, you you can load it up like you normally do. Uh, put your better coals and then put wood on top, or just use wood. The key to it is you throttle back on the stack exhaust where you have your damper. You throttle back about sixty-five to seventy percent, and it tends to want to put the fire out. Well, that's when the blower kicks on and puts that clean ambient air into the firebox, would give you a clean combustion, and it creates a. A positive draft across the barbecue pit so if you load it up with a lot of wood and you have your stack damper wide open your temperature is going to be too hot and the blower will never come on
0: and then you're just running yeah. like hot and fast like we talked it, exactly. about
4: yeah.
0: all right so yeah, it, w- when you're throttling it back as you said that the fire wants to go out now you have the blower uh running on the firebox to create that positive airflow that you had mentioned I mean is there any in-between time where you might have a, a dirty fire or absolutely not
4: absolutely not uh you have a consistent flow of air and you have a clean combustion because you know a lack of airflow will give you co2 and you get that carbon dark black buildup on your meat which gives you that thick plume of white smoke coming out the stack but with the blower the fan never really goes completely off. It's just barely turning uh, at a really low 1 CFMs, RPMs uh, of airflow. So you have a clean combustion the whole time the is connected. But the key, like I said, you have to throttle back on that stack exhaust and let the blower provide that airflow.
0: Do you have a, like a, a maximum amount of logs that you should be putting in uh, before something might be overtaking the system itself, and then you have a dirty fire situation?
4: Uh, a maximum amount, you know what, Greg, it, it just varies because of the depends on the, the size of the firebox that, that you're really running. So I would say if you're using a 24-inch firebox, you can uh, put maybe four stacks of wood in it, get it lit, and uh, she, she's going to do a thing. And, and that should run for about, That should last you maybe about an hour and a half to two two hours before you have to feed one more stick in. The biggest thing these guys have been telling me on the circuit, uh, Clay Hill, uh, Jason Peterson, these guys are saying it reduces their cooking time. Uh, They use less wood and uh, it's really efficient. You know, I've got a lot of guys, Bruce Case, Danny uh, Gamez. So I'm getting a lot of good feedback.
0: What feedback are you getting from customers as far as suggestions or, you know, the next evolution of the barbecue blower? Because you got to be able to adapt. You got to be able to evolve to continue on in business. So are there things that you're seeing even four and a half months in that you're like, hey, you know what? That's something I'm hearing. That's a good idea that, you know, the next time we're going to make a big change. This is something we're going to implement.
4: Yes, you know, uh, they, they want a longer probe. So the standard temperature probe that we have is six foot. Uh, people with larger barbecue pits are looking at nine foot or longer. Uh, so we've actually made an improvement there for the next one. Um, they're also uh, wanting like a meat, wireless meat thermometer to have it built in. But I think what we're going to do with that, we're going to team up with the company and provide a wireless meat probe that'll bundle up with our blower. Because there's so many on the market, yeah. uh, we feel that it's best just to team up with someone and, and use that accessory that's available. Uh, the other thing is the adapter. Right now we have a heat shield and uh, the adaptability of it with certain fireboxes, it is, you know, it may not fit perfectly. Yeah, so we have it. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: That, my, I, I was running into a similar issue with mine just because of the way the the center bolt is on those pinwheel dampers on the lane. Uh, I was over one, but the other one was kind of wide open.
4: Right, right. So we have a new adapter that that has been developed. is actually in manufacturing now. And that issue with like your lane, it will cover the whole little handle, the whole accessory, just to cover it up. And uh, it should adapt a lot better for those, the Lanes, the Oklahoma Joes, those types of uh, smokers. Uh,
0: Stephen, before I let you go, price point, because everybody's uh, always wondering how much money we're shucking out.
4: Right now, we're shucking out $200. And uh, the next blower, barbecue blower that's going to come out will just be slightly higher because we'll be bundling it up with uh, a wireless meat uh, pro, and uh, so you we may top out at about I don't know maybe 230, but we're still competitive, so uh, I think that's a good price point.
0: Stephen Thibodeau is the creator of the perfect draft barbecue blower, you can find it at theperfectdraft.com. And again, right now it's 200 bucks, maybe uh, blowing up to 230, depending on what they're going to be bundling with it the next time out. Uh, And, of course, I'll uh, continue to give you reviews here on this show as I get to hone my skills in on this product a little bit more. Steven, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much.
4: Hey, Greg. I appreciate you, man. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right.
0: There he is, Steven Thibodeau from the Perfect Draft Barbecue System. How about that? Focusing on the offset, not the upright and the cabinet style and the Weber Bullet stuff, the Kamado style. Not doing that. No, no. This is strictly offset. So we don't want to be exclusionary in barbecue, but everything else, beat it. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. Manufacturers of smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you're a barbecue in the backyard kind of guy like me on the competition circuit or maybe cook in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, Smoking, and grilling, and 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com. Or follow them on these instant social media platforms: Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue with their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Moran. The FEC 100, PG 1000, always customer favorite, So the PG 1000 doubles as a smoker or a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast, the Pellet Grill line gives you the most for money. Cookshack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means durability, versatility. Anything you can cook in an oven, you can cook in the Shack. Passion, dedication drives Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call them, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit their website, cookshack.com. They still have a barbecue forum, believe it or not. So does Meathead. All right, uh, we're back with GQ, Jason Ganahl, right after this. Stick around. Be right back.
3: Smoke. Call 8774480433 to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rappy.
0: All right, welcome back. Helping me close the show tonight, a competitive barbecue cook recently has seen a tremendous amount of success in the restaurant biz many months ago. We spoke with him about getting into the bidness, which is certainly hard all on its own, but staying in business, well, that ends up being the key. So far, so good. Let's go ahead and head to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Jason Ganel. Jason, how are you, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Yeah, you got it, man. I appreciate you making time to do it tonight. So, hard to believe, Jay, that it's been about 10 months since the last visit And you see the awards coming in, and you get the mentions in the magazines. Uh, You get a hand every once in a while from Mr. Backdraft Barbecue as well. So fast forward to present day, or I guess evening, for the sake of this conversation. How's your life? Um, My life is actually
2: a little bit better than it was last time we talked. (laughs) Uh, Things are uh, leveling out. Uh, We're kind of hitting our cruising altitude right now. And um, it's nice. I get to spend more time at home with the family and uh, get away from the restaurant. All
0: right, so in December, you said that if you were going to sink the Titanic, you wanted to be the only one who did it to the tune of uh, draining the 401k, the IRA, maxing out two credit cards, getting a line of credit from the bank. Your words, not mine. Uh We We aren't years away from it. Actually, November 9th makes year number one but having almost a year under your belt do you still think that was the best way for you to do it from the start
2: great you got a good memory if you remember all those things we talked about almost a year ago or <laughs> or
0: I do my homework but I'll take the compliment
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it, it absolutely was when um, we've been profitable since day one which which is nice uh, we, we did everything on a shoestring budget kept our expenses really really low and uh, that's helped us uh, you know, make money. I mean, that's why you started businesses to make money. So one of our, uh, you know, big values is running a profitable business. And so a lot of the things that we try to do in the restaurant, a lot of decision making we do is, Hey, is this, is this a smart decision from a business standpoint?
0: It's typically, I guess, from a financial planner situation, not recommended for people to kind of do what you did because you want to have some kind of a safety net when you age out. Uh, are you paying back into those accounts at this point uh, or is there still a good chunk of capture left to go before you're actually able to kind of start recouping back into the 401ks and IRAs?
2: Yeah, well, I won't bore you with a bunch of financial mumbo jumbo. But one of the things that I had to do was I used my, uh, four, I think it was an IRA. I, I had a 401k and an IRA, right? Yep, that's right. So the 401k is not tax dollars in the IRA is tax dollars. So I used the 401k that was non-tax dollars and I had to roll this over. I don't even know what it was called, but the name of the company that did it was called Directed Equity. And we created uh, essentially a 401k that was owned by the organization. And uh, they actually owned stock in the business. So one of the it, there's a lot of tax disadvantages to doing that. So one <laughs> of the things that uh, I, I wanted to immediately do is get out of that. But the reason why I had to do that is in order for me to access that that money that was in there, I would have had to pay taxes yeah. in addition to a uh, penalty for accessing it before I was the age of sixty-five. So we utilized one of the laws that were on the books to uh, to do that. Um, but there's there's some some consequential tax disadvantages once you get that going. So fortunately, we were able to recoup the money here pretty quickly after about nine months to buy ourselves out of that and put that money back into a traditional. Uh, 401k right now versus that directed equity 401k
0: jason Gannal joining me here on the show uh, owner of gq barbecue restaurant and obviously the pit master of gq barbecue competition team uh, jason you had also mentioned that your financial advisor said that you know you're doing it right when someone can strap on a steel a toed boot and kick you in the nuts and it doesn't <laughs> even hurt anymore so uh, do you have the alec baldwin brass balls at this point do you think
2: Yeah, it actually squeaks when I walk sometimes. The top of my legs and my nuts, when they rub together, will squeak because they're still full of brass right now. Uh, That was actually a business advisor, a friend of mine, and not a financial advisor, but I remember that conversation very well.
0: Uh, As mentioned, almost a year in, you know, very high level. Is it harder than you thought it was going to be? Or in the end, you know, in the end of this end, is it easier than you think it was going to be?
2: Uh, it's definitely harder. Uh, I mean, I, I talked to uh, quite a few people uh, that had already done this and done this very successful. People that I, I kind of model the business after, and people I look to for inspiration, and uh, they they constantly reminded me how difficult it was going to be. So I had already had an expectation that it was going to be one of the most difficult things that that uh, that I would ever do, and it, and it was, and it was even more difficult than I than I thought it was. And granted, it, it's it's whatever standard you hold yourself to, right? Obviously, you can go out and open a restaurant, but, but how successful do you want to be? And what do you measure that success by? Do you measure it by dollars? Do you measure it by number of units? Do you measure it by number of people coming through? I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, I guess, measuring sticks you can measure yourself by. And one of the things that I'm learning as I go is that I'm an extremely competitive person, particularly with myself. And I'm trying to give myself a break and uh, not be so... Staying hard on myself and stuff, and I'm learning that as I go, and that's been a kind of a struggle uh, for me, for me uh, as well.
0: So, setting benchmarks of success, or thinking that this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, has has have those things that you thought were going to be hard, have some of those things changed over the months that have gone by, where you thought, hey, this might be the most difficult thing, but it ends up being something else. Uh, is is it a constant evolution of hardness that? hit you in the face each and every week? How does that work? Well,
2: what, what, I, what I think is most difficult for me is I've, I've got, obviously, a wife. I've got a wife who is extremely busy as well, too. I've got uh, four kids. Three of them are very little. i got twins that are four and a seven-year-old. <laughs> so what makes it hard is trying to, to juggle all of that and, and have an impact both on your family, on your wife, and in the restaurant. So that, that to me, is what, what makes it difficult. I mean, I can just live in the restaurant sleep in there and not have to worry about the family. And it wouldn't be nearly as hard. But when you try to have a active role in all three of those different areas of your life, it does become a challenge because um, if you give all your attention to one, you can, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish, right? You can be a good husband, you can be a good father, you can be a good uh, restaurateur. But when you try to balance all three out, you got, you got to be okay with uh, giving up some of that.
0: All right, so let's talk about that because you brought it up a couple different times, and I had this as its own little dovetail question at some point down the interview line here. But, you know, at the six-month mark, well, you said at the six-month mark, you would like to be spending more time with your family and not so much at the restaurant. So... Uh, it sounds like you're probably still spending a lot of time at the restaurant. There's some personal uh, afflictions that are just inherent to you that probably keep you at the restaurant because you are holding yourself to a certain standard. So, like, how are the relationships at home? I mean, you and your wife are still good. Is she like, dude, you're at the restaurant all the time, and we got kids. I mean, what the F? Like, And then your kids are like, hey, who's this hot guy that shows up every once in a while It smells like smoke? I mean, how is the, the personal life working?
2: Well, I, I am... I am my dog's favorite person every day I come home, <laughs> and he can lick the barbecue sauce well, off I my bet. shoe and smell my smell my pants and shorts. Yeah. But it, home life is great. I mean, I, I'm probably, uh, I work a normal uh, schedule now, and by normal, I mean I go in probably about 11 o'clock. I come home at about 5 on most days. I work a, a full day on Sunday right now. I hired a general manager about three months ago, and he's uh, allowing me to kind of, uh, get back to a, a, a normal routine and stuff. But up to that, right, I, I had about six months kind of in mind, but up to that, I mean, the first three months where I was just in the restaurant all the time, that was kind of the deal my wife and I made. It's just like, give me the first three months, let's see how things go, and we'll play it by ear. And now I'm slowly kind of transitioning out of that, and uh, I'm sorry, sorry, I was slowly transitioning out of it, and right now I'm back to kind of having what I would call a, just a sustainable, normal life uh, as it relates to working normal hours
0: jason if we can dig into the minutia of the operations just for a second here and especially for the folks that might be thinking about doing something similar uh, as you have done opening up a barbecue restaurant uh, however they're going to do it one or two of the biggest pitfalls that you've encountered that happened you know two or three months down the road not just as you're kind of ramp up and build business
2: Um, I I, just not taking your customers for granted. Uh, I, I think that five, five to seven years from now, I think you're gonna have a lot of successful competition barbecue guys open up restaurants. I think in almost every big city and even not big city, uh, you're going to have guys that were successful in the competition world with a barbecue place that now you have it and you're starting to see more and more pop up. I mean, even today, Fine Swine opened up in a suburb of St. Louis in Illinois. I know there's a couple of other guys very well known that are kind of working behind the scenes getting geared up to open up barbecue places as well too. But I, I think one of the things that uh, is a very common thing to do is, hey, I, I, we, we know how to make good barbecue, um, but can we make it for 500 people? Right now we've got 500 people coming through on a Friday, 500 people coming through on a Saturday, and more importantly, teaching people how to make good barbecue my three cooks right now one was a bartender one was accountant and one worked in a catering facility i mean they're not barbecue guys right so creating systems and processes to how they can duplicate it and repeat it and uh, turn out really good barbecue i mean those 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 are kind of the the big challenges but i i think as long as you're committed to it uh you know you can figure it out
0: jason goodall joining me here on the show from gq barbecue Jason, how do you find, as you're a hirer, uh, a boss guy, how do you find the workforce? And let me be forthcoming. I have a complete distrust of people who have no skin in my game. That's why I don't have anyone help me uh, with the show, except for Doug Shiding down in Texas who gives me the Texas insight. But no one else preps the show for me. No one else plans or books or engineers or hosts but me because I know what I bring to the table I know I will meet my expectations, and I don't think anybody else will. You said last time you were on the show you have a little bit of an issue letting go and making sure that people do it the way you do. Have you been able to overcome that a little bit, or are you still kind of where you were six, seven, eight months ago?
2: No, I struggle with that all the time, uh, and I still do. And there's that balance, right? Of you don't want to be too hard on the guys, but at the same time, you want them to do it your way, and, and it's it's a continuous struggle. The good news is, is my three cooks have been with me all since day one. One of them came on about a month or two after we opened, so they've got some longevity with me. Um, so I don't need to be as uh, forceful with them, but I, I try to come at the approach of uh, I trust them and I track what they're doing versus I command and control them. And that seems to work uh, Seems to work pretty well.
0: Do you guys have a daily nut that you're looking to hit during the course of every day or is it like a weekly goal that you try and hit?
2: We got a weekly goal.
0: So I would imagine then you're kind of uh, ebbing and flowing during the week. It might be down a little bit, but as soon as Friday hits through the weekend, you trend upwards?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it scales up uh, it, Sundays, once football season started, got really slow for us. Which I really, was, yeah, I thought for sure Sundays would be great. We even just rolled out one dollar uh, cores, course lights, and PBRs on Sunday to try to get more people in there. But once Bronco football comes on, I mean, the whole city just shuts
0: down. I figured they would just be loading up to feed their faces with barbecue and cheap beer. A dollar PBR, sign me up. That's worth a yeah. plane yeah. ticket out. Holy shit, that's <laughs> great. Wow, um, uh, so uh, you said in the beginning you're you're profitable right now then just yeah, even yeah, 10, yeah ten ten yeah. eleven months in.
2: yep, yeah, we were uh, we were actually I mean, I, I bootstrapped everything. I mean, I, I bootstrapped everything from day one, uh, very conservatively estimated where our sales would be. so we were actually making money the very first day we opened. Um, and as we made money, I just roll it out with more hiring, more people, more investment. We're at, we're adding a second smoker right now. We just bought a catering van. So I'm constantly any new money, profitable money we're making. We're putting it back into the business to just support growth.
0: Can you make a lot of money owning a restaurant? Is that achievable? I mean, I well, don't know what like a lot of money is, but I guess when I think about making a lot of money, I'm thinking like quarter mil or more a year.
2: Yeah, the old saying in the restaurant world is, if you want to make a million dollars, you start with two, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, I mean, you can if you do it right. I mean, there's guys out there that make a, a lot of money doing it. And to your point, is what what is a lot of million? I mean, can you make a quarter million? I guess you can. Um, I mean, it's just uh, it just depends on how you manage it.
0: From a menu standpoint, you started with X uh, over the first year, have you added or removed or revised anything or have you been pretty much stem to stern? So
2: one of the original plans of the restaurant is, is you got your core barbecue items, right? You got your ribs, your chicken, your pork, uh, brisket, things that people come in and they expect at a barbecue place. Um, what I wanted to have is just something daily that somebody would come in and they wouldn't know what it is until they came in. So whether it's like a brisket cheese steak sandwich. Or uh, you know, like a like a pulled pork taco, or just a variety of different topics, a variety of different items they can get that would be different every day of the week and every week of the month, so that the person that would come in one or two times a week wouldn't have to always get the same stuff. And that's something we we're still (laughs) trying to work towards. Um, It's a minor miracle every day that we just get our standard six traditional barbecue items out the way we like them to get out. But I definitely want to get to a point. Or we can just put fun items on there every single
0: day. Um, goals for year number two, what would you like to see happen?
2: Great question. Um, I'm in the process of figuring all that out right now. Uh, we're adding the second smoker, so uh, I definitely want to uh, expand our catering. Uh, we got a new catering van. Um, I want to continue to get really, really good at what we are doing in the restaurant. I think we're almost... Um, to where I I, I want us to be. I think we've got another gear to go in terms of getting consistent with the food and possibly even improving the quality of it. We talked a little bit about the everyday new menu item. I'd like to get us to a competency level where we can start doing things like that. I'd also like to improve our service. I think we've got one more gear to go on service as well too, and also just refining our systems. Right now, if we've got a new employee coming in, basically what I say is go follow that guy around for this (laughs) shift and then follow that guy around for the next shift. That's no way to train somebody. So we got to develop training materials. We got to actually onboard people. Uh, We've got a lot of work to do just to get better at what we currently do right now. And if we can do all of that in year two, then maybe we can uh, look at something uh, more in year three.
0: Jason Ganahl is the owner of GQ Barbecue Restaurant. That's in Westminster, Colorado. The website: the letter G and Q, Q U E, GQ Barbecue. Dot com. uh, no competitions or, or what? I'd like
2: to get back out there next year. <laughs> I wanted to get out there this year. Uh, but again, balance, family, kids, yeah. it's just hard. I mean, I'd love to get out and do maybe two or three next year. Uh, I miss a lot of those guys that are out there, and uh, it's not the same texting them over Facebook as it is is sitting around having a beer with them at a contest.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Jason Ganahl, appreciate the time tonight, and I promise... Although, uh, you can take my promises with a grain of salt. Just ask, uh, you know, all the guys that I was supposed to be following around this year that we will do this maybe in like three months instead of waiting almost another year before we get the check-in here. But uh, continued success, my friend. You're doing a great job. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Appreciate it. You got it. Talk to it. you later. There he is, Jason Ganahl from GQ Barbecue. That's right. He's doing it right in Westminster, Colorado. Come on. Are you kidding me? Who's been there? Anybody been to Jason's restaurant? Give him a shout-out. I'm sure he'd be very appreciative. All right, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cooker, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy it from anybody else? Not familiar with how they work? I'm not going to get into the minutiae, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once done, keeps it at that temperature all the way through the cook. It's not too good to be true. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology right today. Maybe you're a busy working pro, constantly on the run with kids, doing errands. You don't have the time to set around and tend those pit temperatures. Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, or all of that. Then you can do whatever you need to get done. A couple different models to choose from, right? DigiQ DX2, the PartyQ, CyberQ Wi-Fi. If you're looking for a cooker, the Onyx oven is still available. Winning in the backyards and on competition scenes, no doubt about it. You know it's going to work seamlessly with all the Guru pit temperature control devices, too. Here's what you do. Head on over to the website, thebbqguru.com, and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. So make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box that's 800-288-GURU or visit thebbqguru.com we're back to wrap up right after this stick around we'll be right back
3: big name interviews advice on cooking brisket and ribs and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue it's the barbecue central show
0: Alright, we are back. We're gonna wrap it up here. Stick with me. All the way back in the first hour, we had Meathead interviewing me. Meathead interviewing me. Amazingribs.com is his website, like you didn't know. Then in the second hour, we talked with Steve Thibodeau from The Perfect Draft, the barbecue blower. Theperfectdraft.com is his website. Check it out, especially if you have the offset pits, wood burners. You're looking for something for a little more control in the firebox burn. This might be a product you want to check out. Two hundred bucks right now. Theperfectdraft.com, and then helping me close the show, Jason Ganahl, GQ Barbecue. That's the letter GQQE, GQ Barbecue, or sorry, GQBBQ.com. Again, that restaurant is in Westminster, Colorado. He's doing it, man. He's really doing it. All right, uh, we got a great show lined up for you next Tuesday. A lot of great guests already. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.